You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. All right, all right. Man, so here's, here's the deal. Today is a, is a super busy day, right? So I woke up a little late this morning. Just gonna, I'm going to share my, my day with you so far. I woke up a little late. That's probably normal for me. Late for how, when I was supposed to wake up. The kids are the kids, man. There's three of them. They're always just who they are, right? I love them, but they're just crazy wild. They're like their mama. I just can't control them. Like they just, I can't wrangle them in very well. So my only job at home in the morning on Sundays is to get the boy dressed. I have one boy, so I call him the boy. To get the boy dressed and to make sure that he eats, right? So I don't know if you've ever met this boy before, but he is the most stubborn boy that I've ever met in my life. So he's cool getting dressed, but he doesn't want to eat. So I'm like, all right, cool, no breakfast. And I think that's okay. But if you're a mama out there, then you're like, yeah, that ain't okay, man. You got to go feed the kid. So that's how my morning started, fighting with a three-year-old. I don't know if your mornings have ever started that way, but mine did today. And, man, so I'm like, praise God. Praise God for these kids. Praise God for this three-year-old. Praise God I haven't killed him. Like, there's a lot of praise God's going on in the morning. Then we get here, and guess what's happening today? Who knows? Back to school bash is happening today. So, man, we're, we're just we're excited about what God's going to do in our community. We're excited about the opportunity we have to bless people, to show God's love to the world. So man, I say all that to say there's a lot going on, and I know that you guys are busy. School is about to start back, so if you have kids that are starting school, that's just something that's been on your mind. You got to get school stuff. You got to make sure everything's ready. Maybe you got to start the routine back because you've let it go in the summer. There's just so much and you're busy. So what I want us to do this morning, because this is a very serious and important topic, is I'm just going to stop, and we're going to pray. We're going to pray that the busyness of life is is outside. That there's nothing in this place right now that's going to hinder you from hearing what the Spirit of God wants you to hear. So let's pray together specifically for that. God, we're praying this morning. That you speak through your spirit. God, we're confident in the fact that you are moving in this place. God, and more than anything, we want to hear from you. So God, I pray that any busyness that's going on in our minds right now, that you quiet that. That the whispers of the enemy telling us that we, we have this to do and we have that to do and this doesn't line up and this doesn't make sense. God, I pray that we claim victory in your name in this place, as we open your word, and as we learn from you, how to live life more like you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to continue on. Sermon on the Mount. This is week six. So if you're familiar with us here, we usually don't do really long series, but this one's going to be really long because Jesus decided to preach a lot of stuff at one time. So, and I don't want you to get mad at anything I say. I, I don't really care if you do, but I, if you, I really don't want you to. 
if that makes sense, right? I don't care if you do, but I don't want you to get mad because this is this is what Jesus preached. And if I'm going to be honest, he doesn't really organize it very well. Like if I was coaching Jesus on how to organize this sermon, it wouldn't be like this. Like, what are you doing? Because what, what he does, we just finished what I would say is act one of this, right? Where he talks about, hey, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. And then he really ends that first act saying, hey, so here's the deal. Be perfect, right? We talked about that last week. He says, be perfect. I'm perfect. You be perfect. And then we realize, yep, we, we can't do that. Like, we're messed up people. So he's showing us that we are truly spiritually bankrupt and that we need him to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And then he starts this next act, which I would call act two, and this is the, there's only two acts of this sermon. And now what he's going to do is he's going to compare the, the religious people with the heart and a relationship with Jesus. He's going to say, hey, so this is how the religious people do it. This is how the Christ follower should do it. So, so what is your heart like? What he begins to do here is attack your motives. He begins to say, hey, what is your motive for doing the things you're going to do? And then he's going to cover three topics. He's going to cover giving, he's going to cover prayer, and he's going to cover fasting. And then that's the next three weeks. But then what Jesus does is he covers giving again. And then he covers prayer again. And it's like, man, you could have just grouped these together because it makes it a lot easier to preach this series if you just group the giving together, you know. So maybe in four weeks, we're talking about giving again. But today, we're going to talk about giving. And so this is one of the, the first times, right, that online only would be okay with me. Because I can just see faces and it's like, yep, here we go, giving at church. And I just want you to know that Jesus preached this and it's important. He actually, he talks about prayer and money a lot. And he talks about money more than anything else, more than grace, more than the gospel. He talks about money. 40% of the time, Jesus teaches us about money. So we could go that route, and every we could do 40% about money. I don't think you guys would love that too much, so we're going to cover it all today. But what I want you to understand this morning is that what Jesus does here is he says, how's your heart? How's your heart when it comes to generosity? Do you do it because you want people to see you doing it? Do you do it because you're just supposed to do it? Or do you do it in response to who he is? And that's the biggest question. That's the point of this whole topic today is what is your motive? And I think he talks about money because money, like no other thing, really grabs a hold of us as humans. That we think we have control of the money, and then after a short period of time, we realize that money really has control of us. And I, I believe that Jesus recognized the fact that money would be one of the biggest idols in our life. And we just sang a song that said, hey, you know what, I'm not going to bow down to idols. And what happens is, we don't, we don't willingly think, man, you know what, this is an idol, and I'm bowing down. What happens is we allow these idols to pop up in our life and we begin to bow down to them and we don't even realize that Jesus is over here yelling at us to get up and to trust in who he is. And that happens a lot of times 
with money. So let's jump in. Verse 1 of Matthew chapter 6 is really the banner over these next few weeks. It says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. So this is, this is really the banner verse over the next three weeks. This is what he's saying. Hey, motives matter. Motives matter. It's so important for us to understand this. So let's, I want you, who's married in here? Raise your hand and be proud of the fact. That's what I'm talking about. There's some, there's some hands way up there. There's some hands down here. We're doing a marriage series later, so that'll help, right? So here's the deal. I've, I'm going to tell on myself just a little bit. I do this occasionally, but when I first got married, and I've told you this before, I wasn't a very good husband, right? Now over 11 years, God has done some work, and I'm like uh, a 9.2 out of 10. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. But here's the thing. So I don't have a lot of chores to do around the house, and man, Wives, if you give your husband a lot of chores, I'm sorry if this hurts you right now, but I just don't have a lot of chores. I have to take out the trash. On Sunday mornings, I got to feed the boy and make sure that he's dressed. His name's Alden, by the way. He does have a name. And so I don't have a lot of chores. I I fold laundry, and I posted this on Facebook, and this is legit. I have two girls and a wife, so three girls living at my house, and I feel like I fold 174 little white tank top things, whatever those things are that girls wear under shirts. I don't even understand what, they're, what they are, what they're called. Yeah, those, they're hard to fold, right? I hate it, and we have tons of them. So I fold some laundry. I do some dishes every now and then. Here's the deal, though. When I used to do dishes, it's because, man, maybe I wanted my wife to be really happy with me. Maybe I was just hoping for some godly reward for doing dishes, right? There was, there was usually a certain motive for that. And over the last few years, I've gotten to a place where now it's, man, she's so busy. She's always taking care of these, these kids that are crazy. She's, she's working. She's taking care of the house. She's got her, her business. There's a lot going on. So why don't I just wash dishes so she doesn't have to do it? So maybe when she comes home, she can just relax a little bit. Right? So the motives have changed. And it matters. Now, to her, she didn't care if it was for a reward or if it was just because I love her. Right? She just wanted the dishes done. But in the, in the culture of Christianity, in our relationship with Jesus, it matters. It matters where we are when we are generous. And he goes on to say this. Man, and I want you to hear this. This is verses 2 through 4. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you this is what jesus is talking about so i want you to to not think about tithes and offerings right now because the back in this century when jesus was teaching this there was already a law for the tithe it was law there was a whole prescriptive law written out that said hey if you're in this income bracket you give a goat if you're in this income 
bracket, you give this. And it was law. That's what you did. So Jesus is saying, so I'm not talking about tithes. I'm talking about a life of generosity. I'm talking about what it looks like to be generous in your life. And he says, hey, so here's the deal. You can be like the hypocrites. And I don't really think that they were playing a trumpet like or whatever when they gave. What it was was this, this offering basket, if you will, looked like a trumpet at the top. And it was metal and it was just rounded and it went down. And what people would do is they would gather all their change. How many of you collect change? Praise God for you. Man, I love change. So they have these things at the grocery store now that you can just dump all your change in there and it counts it for you. And that's great. And that's kind of what this was, right? So they would get as much change as they could and they would start pouring it into this metal thing and it would start clanking around. So just imagine the more change you have, And the slower you pour this change in, the more noise it makes. And people around you are like, man, look how generous this person is. And Jesus says, hey, if that's what you want to do, cool. That's your reward right there. People looking at you and thinking you're awesome, that's cool. That's your reward. But guess what? It ain't awesome. Jesus is saying, you think it's awesome. It ain't awesome. But if that's what you want to do, there you go. There's no reward for you other than what people think. So if you want to live your life for the applause of man, that's on you. Go ahead and do it. But Jesus says, hey, so when you give, do it so people don't really know what you're doing. Now, he's not literally saying, hey, no one should know what you're doing. He's saying the motive for your generosity should not be for your reputation, for your good, but he is the reward for you. He has a rewards program. Jesus does. I hate reward programs. I go to to KJ's and they're like, hey, are you signed up for this? No, man. The program I want is I give you my money, you give me my change, I take my stuff, that's cool. That's the program I want. And Jesus says, hey, so here's your reward program, is that you get me. And you give because of me. That's your reward. I am your reward is what Jesus says. So how... How do, you, how do you give? What is, what is your motive? What is your motivation for being generous? This is what Jesus is saying here. And then the Apostle Paul, he writes two letters to the church in Corinth. And in the, the second letter, towards the end, he's going to talk about this giving concept. And he's going to answer a lot of questions that get asked. I get a lot of questions about giving. Man, should we, should we give um, 10%, should we give a tithe? And that's what tithe means, right? A tenth, 10%. And I would say this to you, is that Jesus didn't tithe his blood. He gave all. So our response to him should be to give him everything that we are. So really, we're freed from the tithe because Jesus says, you know what? You can give way more than that if you want to. That's, that's how free we are. But man, we get so trapped with finances that we, we want to hold on to as much as we can. And what we do is we give Jesus the leftovers of our life. And we do everything that we want to do. We live life the way we want to live. And if we have anything left, if we have any money left, if we have any time left, if we have any energy left, if we have any talents left, 
Then we give it to Jesus. And we say, hey, so I'm done doing everything I want to do, so here's the leftovers, man. Here, here's, what, here's what you get. This is what you get. And some of you are sitting there like, yeah, so that ain't me. I love Jesus. I'm not saying you don't love Jesus. I'm saying that oftentimes we live life and we give Jesus everything that's left over after we're done doing what we want to do in this life. Jesus says, hey, check your heart. What is the motivation behind your generosity? And then we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we're going to go through this really quickly, but this is Paul. He says, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. So what he's doing, he's saying, hey, this church was generous, and I want to tell you about them. I want to tell you their story. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Let's just stop for a second. Because these words should not be in the same sentence together. This is what, this is what he says. He says, for in a severe test of affliction... So these people are in a moment of affliction in their life. And he says, but they're overflowed with joy. And then he says, man, there's extreme, there's extreme famine. These people have nothing. They're, they're, they're impoverished. And guess what that does? It leads to an overflow of extremely crazy, generous people. What if? What if in your worst moments, when your life is so afflicted, you could say, man, I am overflow, overflowed with joy because of Jesus. What if no matter what situation you're in in life financially, whether you're, you have a lot, whether you have a little, whether you're completely broke, whether you're able to give all kinds of stuff away, no matter where you are in life, you can say, man, guess what? I'm abundantly generous no matter what. Man, what freedom is that? So Paul is saying, hey, these people, man, they're struggling. There's affliction. There's poverty. There's famine. But they're full of joy and they're full of generosity. It says, for they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord. Begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. This is what happened. This has never happened to me. I've been in ministry for a long time. I've never seen this happen. What Paul is saying is, man, after they gave, they came begging us to take up another offering because they wanted to participate in what's happening. They want to participate in what the Spirit is doing. So they came and found us, and they begged us to take up another offering. I've never had a church person, not even one, much less an entire congregation say, hey, Pastor Dustin, we, we really need something else. I'm like, what do, you, what do you need, man? You need more worship? They're like, nope, we're good with worship. You need more preaching? They're like, nope, we got plenty of that. But what do you need? Can we do offering one more time? I think we could do better. Right? Nobody's ever done that. If y'all want to do that for the first time today at this church, praise God. But man, that's what Paul, Paul is saying, man. These people cared so much about what God was doing, they wanted to be a part of the movement of God. Verse 5 says this, and this, not as we expected. I really want you to hear this verse this morning. 
But they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. This is, this is what's happening. These people were generous, not just because of, of the, the church. They were generous because they gave themselves first to the Lord. And then by the will of God to the church and to the movement. And I want you to understand this morning that we are to give God our first and our best. We are to give God our first and our best. And this is why. It's because God is first. It's because God loved first. It's because God went first. And He gave us His best. And we're to respond with His preeminence, with His amazingness, with His holiness. We're to respond with that by giving Him our first and our best. But this is what happens. Again, we choose to give Him the last, the leftovers, what we can really afford, quote-unquote, to give to Him. Now, we just don't have time because we're so busy. We have these, these kids running around, one's in football, one's in baseball, one's cheering, one's doing gymnastics, one's doing this, one's doing that. We have, man, meeting after meeting, and I get it. I have a really, really busy schedule. And it's very tempting a lot of days to say, man, all this has to get done and whatever I have left, I'm giving to God. And Jesus says, hey, check your motives. Check your heart. Are you bringing Him your first and your best? It takes no faith to give God the leftovers. None. It's, it's leftovers. It takes no faith. We can give, hey man, you can have this. This isn't going to hurt me. There's no sacrifice. I've already done everything else. You can have what's left. There's, it takes no faith to do that. What happens is when we begin to give him our first and our best when it comes to finances, when it comes to time, when it comes to talents, when it comes to all these areas in our life, when we begin to give him our first and our best, what we're doing is we're saying, hey, we're responding to who you are and we trust you as our Lord and our Savior. We trust you as our Lord and our Savior. Man, is He the one thing that drives everything in your life? Because here's the deal. You're giving to something. If, let's talk about tithe for a minute, right? The first. And that's what, tithe was 10%, but it was also the first, right? It was the first fruits. It was, it was the first of what you received. So something in your life gets the first and the best. Is it Jesus or is it not? That's the question that you have to answer. And the crazy thing about motive is this. Only you and Jesus know the motive. Because from up here, y'all all look like great Christian people. Especially during worship, right? We're singing a song and, man, they, they write these songs for people to know when they're supposed to raise their hand, I think. Right? Because everybody just knows, yep, this is it. This is the part. We're raising our hands. Let's do it. And man, from up here, y'all look like amazing Christian people giving God your first and your best. I can't tell 
your motive and, and neither can the people around you. But Jesus knows. And he's the only one that matters. And he says, hey, what's your motive? What's your motivation? What's getting your first and best? Accordingly, verse 6, accordingly we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. Here's what Paul is saying to this church. Hey man, y'all are doing great in all these areas. Man, you're doing great praying for people. You're doing great with these community outreaches. You're doing great with this. You're doing great with this. And he says, hey, but don't forget about the giving. Don't forget about the generosity. You can't just pick and choose what you want to do. Give God your first and your best in every area of your life. He says, hey, don't forget about that. And a pastor asked me this question one time. We were talking about money. I said, man, I don't really like talking about money. It's just not my thing. He was like, yeah, well, it was Jesus' thing. Whatever. He asked me this question. He said, if you were God, would you give you more money? If you were God, would you give you more money? Are you stewarding the things that God has given you the way that he wants you to steward them? Or would you say, well, you know what? I'd probably give that to somebody else because they're probably doing a little better job than I am. So ask yourself the question, man, am I giving him my first and my best? And he gets that because he is first and he's given us his best. Verse 8, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Paul saying, hey, here's the deal. It, your motivation should be that he is your reward. That although he had everything, he was rich, he came down, he became poor, his rescue mission took him to the cross for you. And because of that, He is your reward. What's your motivation for living a life of generosity? Is it so that people around you can see what you're doing? Or is it because it's your response to who He is and what He's done for you? And if you want to do it for other people, Jesus says, that's cool, man. That's what the hypocrites do. But if you want to be a hypocrite, it's on you. That's your reward, that people love you. Congratulations. He said a little nicer than that, but that's really what he's saying. And he says, hey, but this is, if your life has truly been just changed by the gospel and the grace of Jesus, then this is how we live a life of generosity. It's in response to who he is and what he's done for us. I think there's four categories of giving. There's four categories of, of people. There's two that's bad. There's two that's good. And, and the, the, worst, the worst motivation or the worst attitude towards generosity, towards giving is greed. Is that, man, it's mine and I'm going to do what I want to do with it. It's the worst attitude and mindset that we could have about generosity. Saying, hey, I got this, man. 
this is, I made all this money, I accumulated all this stuff, it's all mine, and I'm keeping it for myself. And I think you get just a, a little better, and then there's what you could call prosperity mindset, right? That, man, I really need something in life, so I'm going to give a little bit, and then I'm going to receive some stuff back. At least God's in the equation in this one, but it's still on the bad side. And then I think the, the last two, you, you swap over to the, to the good side, to the, this is a good mindset, it's a good attitude, and the first one is really investment, and we've talked about that here, that you see what's going on around you, and you say, hey, I really want to invest in what God's doing because the return on that investment is great. Man, people's lives are being changed. People are getting saved. People are getting baptized. Marriages are being restored. We have kids who are coming to know Jesus. We have small groups who are encouraging one another. We're impacting an entire city for Jesus. There's so much good that's happening, and I see that, man, the return on this investment is good, and, and you give, and I think that's honoring. I think that is showing that you trust who God is, but it's still not the best. The best category and the best mindset is we give because He's our Lord and our reward. And that's our motivation. Our motivation is He is who He is, and because of that, I'm going to give Him my first and my best. And then He says a lot more stuff in chapter 8, and then He goes to chapter 9, and He continues this, and we're going to read just a few verses of this. The, the first five verses, he's just saying, hey, so I'm sending some people to collect an offering. I've already told them how generous you are before they even accepted the offering. So Paul's like, hey, man, I already told them how great you guys are, how willing you are to give, how much you love Jesus. So when they get there, if you don't give, I'm going to look like an idiot. So I'm just warning you that they're coming. That's verses one through five. And then he says this in verse six. The point is this. So this is, I love this about the Bible. Sometimes it's like, hey, so this, this donkey's doing this, and this is over here doing this, and you're like, what the heck are they trying to say? Paul's like, hey, this is the point. This is it. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Man, here's, here's our heart toward generosity. Our heart toward generosity, how we should give, how we should really put this into practice. Let's get practical really quick. Is this. He says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart. That's number one. Man, you decide in your heart between you and God what it is that you give. It's not between me and you. It's not between your kids and you. It's not between your life group and you. It's between you and God. You decide in your heart with the prompting and the urging of the Spirit what you should give. And then he says, hey, and you should give. You shouldn't be reluctant. Man, how many times have you been reluctant to give something away to somebody? And it happens. And, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not trying to embarrass you, but it's true. There's sometimes it's like, man, so this $50, I could go to five guys and get at least two hamburgers and two large fries. 
Maybe. I guess it's expensive. Inflation is it's up there. But it's like, well, this person really needs this $50. I really don't want to give them this $50. Should I give them this $50? And it's like, well, God ain't talking to me right now, so I probably shouldn't. But here's the deal. We, we give reluctantly. Sometimes even if we're, if we're putting money into an offering plate or we're giving online or however you guys give, sometimes in our heart, we give reluctantly because we really want to keep that. And I don't, saying giving is, is really hard for me because it's, it's not really a gift that we're giving to God because it's already His, right? So it's like, I told you guys, Andrew let me borrow his weed eater, and then I forgot I had it, so I had it for a few weeks. And then while I was preaching, I remembered that I had it, and it just came out. So, I mean, that was the Holy Spirit, I think, prompting me to give him his weed eater back. But here's the deal. What if when I went to give him his weed eater back, I said, hey, bro, I got a gift for you. And he's like, yeah, man, what, what you got? I'm like, it's your weed eater. And he's like, yeah, so I don't think you understand how this gift giving works, but this is already mine. You're just bringing it back to me, right? And that's, that's really how it is with God. We're not really, bring, we're not giving him a gift. We're bringing him back what's already his. And he says, hey, I, I'm just asking you for a portion of it. And I don't need it. I'm not doing this. He's not just sitting in heaven saying, man, if Impact Church would just give a little more, then, then maybe the city of Harlem would be completely transformed. That's not what he's doing. He's already working and he's already moving. What he's saying is, individually, the people in this room, do you trust him? Is he the Lord of your life? What's your motivation? What is your motivation? He says, hey, don't give reluctant. He says, don't give under compulsion. We're going to close here. But he says, hey, don't give under compulsion. What does that mean? This is what it means. I don't know. There's a church I saw online. I was just doing some research about this. And I saw this church. They have four lines like to give offering up in the front. And it was legit like an airline thing. It was like coach, first class. I mean, it was like, hey, here's the regular people. Here's the, the gold people. Here's the diamond people. There's the platinum line. So you get in whatever line you get in and you give. That is crazy to me. Now, I hope it works for them, but I think Jesus would say, Hey man, you need to be careful about that because you're really giving in whatever line you're giving and people are watching and that man, if that's what you want your reward to be, you're really giving under compulsion because they're they're really making you feel like you have to do this. Man, that's never been our heart. We we don't even take up an offering here. Because God didn't come to take, he came to give. And He gives everything. So what we do is we encourage people to bring back to Him what is His. We're not taking anything from you. There was a pastor telling a story about a mission trip he was on in Africa. And he was preaching at this country church. And they were having a big like offering night. And there were people bringing in animals and vegetables. And he was like, Man, this is awesome. And then he went to the city and preached that night. 
and their offering was completely different. They took up the offering. The guy that took up the offering brought it up to the, to the stage where the, the church pastor had already taken over. It was the end of service. And he's counting it in front of the whole church. And the pastor looks over at him and he's like, nah, man, we didn't get there. It's like, let's run it back. They do another offering. And the same thing happens and he looks at him and he's like, nope, we're not there. It's like, okay, so instead of taking up a third, third offering, they get these teenage boys with the offering basket on the end of a long stick. And these boys walk. And they pick certain people out of the congregation and they just start poking them. And he's like, hey, and you've never seen people worship that amazingly because their hands are up, their eyes are closed. They're like, hey, I'm focused on Jesus. Get away from me. I don't want you poking me. And they eventually dig into their pocket and give a little more money. Man, they're given under compulsion. And, and Jesus says, hey, that's not the way to do it. Check your motive. Check your heart. Number four is this. He says to, to be cheerful. To be a cheerful giver. That we give cheerfully because He is who He is. Because He is our reward. Listen to this verse. Verse 8. 2 Corinthians 9. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that having all sufficiency in all things, at all times, you may abound in every good work. And here's the word I want you to see. All. He just keeps saying all. 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 And what he's saying is, hey, I've given you all of me. You can have all of this. I'm just asking for you to give me your first and your best, what is your motivation for being generous? What is your motivation? I've given you everything. I've given you all of me. I'm just asking that you trust in who I am. I want to be your reward. And I'm going to say this. And this is a dangerous thing to say as a pastor, and I understand that, but I mean this from the bottom of my heart. Is that if your motivation is wrong for giving, then I would prefer you hold on to it and you pray. And you ask God to examine your heart. I don't want you to give reluctantly or under compulsion. I want you in your relationship with Jesus to decide in your heart what you should give. And then I want you to cheerfully give it as your first and your best. I don't want you to just give just because you know people are watching or because it's just what you're supposed to do. I want you to give because it's your response to the grace and the gospel of Jesus. Look at this, verse 10. It says, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Let's stand together this morning. This is, this is what happens. God has given each and every one of us some seed. He's given it to you. It's His. He's given it to you. And this is what you can do. You can clench your fist and you can hold on to that seed. And guess what? It'll never grow. There will never be multiplication. There will never be a harvest. You can even stick this hand in the ground and you can hold on to this seed, and guess what? It ain't going to happen. 
I don't really know how it works, but I know that ain't it. You can't hold on to the seed and just keep your hand under the ground. No, what happens is we say, hey, we trust you, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open my hand up, and I'm going to scatter this seed that you've given me. I'm giving it back to you, and guess what he does? He supplies, and he multiplies, and the harvest is great. When you see things happening in this community, when you see the Spirit moving within this body of believers at this local church or at another local church or whatever, when you see God moving, you can say, man, look, He's multiplying the seed. And He's providing the harvest. We trust that He is who He is. What's your motivation this morning? Are you bringing Him your first and your best. As, as we get ready for our response time this morning, we're going to respond like we always do, but we're going to add something to the response today. We always pray. Man, and I would encourage you to pray for God to just search and examine your heart and your motivation for living a generous life. See, as Christ followers, we, we don't live generously in response to a sermon. We live generously in response to the gospel. So we're not taking up a special offering today. I'm not trying to make you give more because I don't want you to respond to the sermon. I want you to respond to who God is as your reward. So we're going to pray. And we're going to sing like we always do. We're going to sing to a God who is worthy. You know why He's worthy? Because He loved us first and He gave us his best. And guess what? He defeated death and he's still alive today. And we sing because he is who he is. And then we're going to add this third aspect to our response this morning. And we're going to bring. We're going to bring God what's his. And what I'm going to do is during the response time, I'm going to be back here in the back by this high top table. And if you need to pray, if you want to talk, you can just make your way to the back and I'll be there to talk with you. But our, our buckets are back there. They're usually at the front door. We put them in the back this morning. Because this is truly a response for us. Giving is, is a response to who He is. So we're going to pray. We're going to pray. We're going to sing. And we're going to bring our first and our best to Him. Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.